Hello, and welcome to the FM Podcast. I'm Jen Fritz, and I run Fritz Media, a music publicity and digital marketing firm located in Vancouver, Canada. And this is episode number 24 of the podcast. So the topic of today's show is creating community and excellence in the studio. And my guest is producer, engineer, and musician Jane Aurora. Now, Jane wears many hats in the music industry, and one of those hats is as the host and program curator of the Producers Lounge, which is a popular Vancouver-based creative workshop and conversation series that elevates women and non-binary identifying producers. We had a really great discussion about how things are shifting globally when it comes to creating more equity in recording studios, and we talked about how her Producers Lunch program is helping to create a vibrant and collaborative music community here in Vancouver. It was a really great talk, and I hope you enjoy it. Here's my conversation with Jane Aurora. Well, hello, Jane. How are you doing today? I'm great. Thanks, Jen. Well, that's good to hear. You're out uh, on Bowen Island right now. How are things out there? This is true. Very peaceful. A lot of trees. Nothing. You didn't suffer any weather damage or anything like that? Did check things out, but we were pretty lucky here. Feeling very lucky. Yes, same. And yeah, and we've been good here in the city too. So we're both very lucky. That's super awesome. Um, so you and I have known each other for a few years now. Uh, we kind of shared office space for a while. And uh, I did some PR work for your Producers Lounge program a few years ago. You know, since our theme today is about creating community and excellence in the studio, I thought that maybe your Producers Lounge program would be a really good place for us to start today. So why don't you maybe just like start by giving us a, an overview of the program and maybe like why you started it? Like what was the idea behind it? So Producers Lounge began in 2019. It was created as a way of creating more opportunities and elevating women and non-binary producers and self-produced artists, engineers, and by that, I mean, well, it became many things. It's a network, it's a community, but we also have been very lucky to host some of the best uh, female producers in the world to date with guests like Sylvia Massey, recently with Viff, Linda Perry, Michelle and Deggie Ocello, Wendy and Lisa from Prince's band. Woo-woo. So <laughs> it kind of, things went well, you know, uh, were successful in a couple different ways at creating an environment that was welcoming within studios for aspiring and professional producers and engineers. But then as COVID happened, we we're able to evolve things onto the internet and create these extensive online broadcasts. We had a really big one at the end of 2020, Producers Lounge Connect, which had Sylvia Massey, Ebony Smith, who's also an amazing engineer who's worked for people like Lauren Hill and Questlove, and then lots of amazing local people like Swan Barrett, who's a great live engineer, Don Pemberton, who talked about vocal production techniques. Really, we've just been lucky to have a lot of great creative professionals share their knowledge online and it's been it's been really cool to be able to continue to do that although the initial spirit was put around the idea of getting folks into studios that may not usually have access to studios and having mentors like them facilitating so I hope we can get back to some of that next year we're in our third season now 
So far this year, we've had the VIF session with Linda Perry, which is very exciting. That's that was so just amazing. A, yeah, it was an interview format and I was lucky enough to speak uh, with her about her recent works with people like Dolly Parton even, yeah. which is <laughs> For example. wild. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and it was a fun conversation. She's animated and incredibly passionate and that was very cool. And then just last weekend, we had uh, the Producers Lounge first people's connect which is curated and hosted by a dj osho or orin askew from squamish nation locally and featured for different first nations and inuit producers uh speaking to a small group and that format's kind of what we're hoping we'll be able to do for the community at large that was specifically for first peoples last weekend but Aside from this thing we've got coming up, which is a pretty massive event to close 2021 out next year, I think we're going to move on to these sort of networking groups online because we've had great feedback from even though it's a pandemic, we can't gather together, getting the right size group together where people can share material they're working on and get feedback. So the program design's looking like there'll be a host mentor with a group. Everyone gets to listen and feedback on each other's songs so that they're still into interaction and some networking going on and then hopefully a couple big in-person events at studios to end and close if we should be so lucky um, <laughs> Fingers depending, <crossed. laughs> depending on the restrictions but um the, the really cool thing that's great to be able to talk about today because it was just announced today is Elisa Pangsayang who's like amazing local producer and mastering engineer is going to be doing a workshop on the mastering process which even for folks that are pretty deep into their production journey is always treated with this kind of sense of mystery about it. It's like, the <laughs> it <ma> is. <laughs> yeah, like the magical finishing touch, but if you don't do it, it's not pro. And it's, it's kind of true actually, because it's such an important process, just that last bit of mysterious polish that happens. Anyway, Lisa's going to try and break down a little bit about what's involved in that process. And hopefully, I mean, it's quite complex, takes many years to learn it, but break it down in a way that's useful for beginners and, artists, self-produced artists that are preparing their mix to send to mastering and then maybe for some of the folks that are part of Producers Lounge that are more pro, it'll just help them get a little bit better at doing their home mastering jobs when they aren't <laughs> send or, sending it off to someone. But uh, it is it is a mystery, so I'm very excited too. That's on December 11th, 2 till 4 p.m., and you can register for free. Anyone that's BC-based can register just in the Producers Lounge Vancouver bio link. So it sounds like with Producers Lounge, you've really created more of a community uh, here, especially within, you know, Vancouver and BC. I imagine that has really created a positive influence on the music scene as a whole. Some of the things like you're just talking about right there, have you seen, like you talked about networking, have you seen like more collaborations happening, that sort of thing? Totally. I mean... There's been a lot of positive things happen in the last three years, I think, not just because of this program, but people becoming more aware of a need for more equity or more opportunities for women and non-binary folks to present music or make the final decisions on what audio is going to sound like. And so I think globally there's more of us emerging, which is exciting. Locally, 
I think the program was initially intended to service a few folks that were at a certain point to step up to the next level. And we've managed to do both of those things. I think that like many, many people have told me that they made creative connections where they found their producer or did a collaboration with another artist. It'd be more than 50 people now. We get tagged. So we see when people have met from one of our events. We used to have these great social events at, at Blue Light Studios, which hopefully we'll get back to having those where people can kind of connect and have a listening session, what we're doing online now, what we we used to do in person. So that goes on. Yeah, a lot of people credit meeting their creative collaborators. And I think essentially the community ended up embracing a lot more self-produced artists than initially intended. But we did have an Elevate program running, which is for folks uh, that are working as professional producers and engineers already who are wanting to get that extra level of information. And we'll, we'll be continuing to do that too. So there are kind of masterclasses within masterclasses for those (laughs) folks that have a bunch of knowledge already so that we're still you know giving them more direct opportunities to connect with people like Sylvia Massey and ask really technical questions at the same time as trying to make things open and a little easier for up-and-coming folks but Marianne Chatter and I launched a different thing. We have a production duo called Mary Jane Hi-Fi and we also (laughs) run a program (laughs) called Mixed by Mail which we started during the pando, that's Aussie for pandemic, (laughs) to invite uh, self-produced artists to work with us to learn more about creating on their home setup. So there's various ways that Producers Lounge and the community of people working at a professional level that are women, non-binary producers, engineers, are supporting up-and-coming folks too. So it's really become quite multifaceted in an unexpected way, but quite cool because there's, you know, a lot going on within it. Oh, absolutely. And, you know, as a producer yourself, I'm wondering, you know, you talked a bit about how things are shifting globally when it comes to creating more equity within studios. Obviously, with Producers Lounge, the biggest thing is you know, making the barrier to access easier, making it easier to get in, making it less scary, creating an environment where you don't feel stupid asking questions, like exactly, <laughs> like those sorts of things are, you know, very helpful. I'm wondering, like, if you see, you know, you're doing all of this here in Canada, do you see a, a shift globally to things becoming more equitable on the recording side? Yeah. I mean, I think it's slow moving and it's not just production, it's the music industry at large oh, yeah. when you look at, you know, how who's writing the songs, you know, and, and and so on. But it's more than just Canada. There's a producers program that's been begun internationally as well that's a little bit like Producers Lounge and various things. I'm sort of aware of what's going in Australia going on in Australia, <laughs> being from there originally. I don't think that it's the case the world over. I do think that we're very lucky locally that a lot of the studios made space for the program and there seems to be a real desire for that shift here and a deep respect for like women and non-binary folks that have been working in the industry a long time, like Elisa with the workshop coming up, Lynn Gardner, Ray Spoon. We've got some really great examples here that make our program pretty killer for a, oh, totally. a, a provincial program. Um, so it seems... You know, it, it seems pretty awesome, and and the programs are open. We do, we have guys at sessions too, so it's sort of like allyship is pretty good, and we've had good support in recent times since moving online from just including the entire community as well. And I, I feel good about that because the truth is, if you're going to work in music, you're definitely going to have to be able to 
work in all environments. And even though we can create a super welcoming environment within the producer's lounge scenario, it's still important to be aware of some of the challenges at lunch. (laughs) Absolutely. It's more about creating community and just, you know, creating that equitable space for everybody, getting one, everybody on the same side, you know, so we can just have more people involved. I'm wondering, you know, I, I know that you're someone that wears many hats <laughs> and uh, you're you're a musician, you're a producer, you're a studio owner, you're a music supervisor and probably more things that I don't even know about. Um, <laughs> well, uh, uh, how did you how did you get your start in music? Oh, how did things start for you? Well, I should I should say I own a music licensing company. I'm not a music supervisor, although that would be a great idea <laughs> totally. in, in order to get more of the music that we represent place but I have, I have a licensing agency that Kate Waddy and I own that represents a bunch of artists uh, locally and that's sort of the most agent business focused scenario I'm presently in but over many years my role in music has evolved out of my interest shifting out of necessity at different times diversification has been key to being part of the music industry since I was I guess I was 13 or 14 when I started playing gigs for money. I was pretty young. I started playing guitar at 10 and then touring within the state and playing in Melbourne and stuff in my mid-teens and was teaching guitar in my late teens and then making radio documentaries for ABC Radio around the time I turned 19 or 20 and my band started touring internationally at that point. I had about 10 years of touring in my own band coming to North America, Europe and India every year. And then we started, yeah, I guess I started producing records for other people around about 2010. Mm -hmm. I kind of played pretty heavy rock and roll and funk stuff and used to shred pretty hard on electric guitar. I actually had issues with my hand and I had to slow down and it was probably the best gift that ever happened, even though I felt pretty annoyed at the time that I, you know, I didn't have all my superpowers that I once (laughs) had. But that was why I started looking into producing and ideas around licensing and ultimately opened up an entirely new world instead of just being focused on only playing my own songs and, you know, on guitar, like fairly focused, fusion-y, arranged songs sometimes, like just right in there. It was like very yeah, it was interesting microcosmic kind of view of things and my world just opened up with production being like, oh, I can play play in all these different styles and I, I am a multi-instrumentalist. I've been playing drums and, and bass since my teens as well so it was kind of an obvious evolution to suddenly be able to be in all those support roles producing in the studio and then I started doing more session bass work when I was touring more as a session player so I didn't have to organise <laughs> tours and be, be in that role and that, that felt good for a while. But uh, really what was cool is I started off kind of in an analogue, more folky record, you know, real instruments world, which is where my band was from, but I also just really evolved my interest into more hip-hop and pop production. So I've got that nice thing where I understand how to record old analogue-style band stuff, but I also program and beat make and like it's just so incredible what's possible now in in terms of mixing the digital sphere and the analog sphere oh totally i I think uh it's like the celebration and that the positive side of becoming cyborgs i guess (laughs) it's like getting the best out of both situations you can ride the line you know both sides that's pretty good (laughs) i love it I want to let's talk a, a little bit more like you're not a music supervisor you're a license you license music and that's the mm-hmm. company that you and Kate own that's called Arrival Sounds is is that right That's right yeah yeah 
And um, unfortunately, I am now one of those nasty people that doesn't accept unsolicited materials. But uh, we do oh. <laughs> represent a bunch of amazing artists from Vancouver and from Melbourne and basically represent the catalogue and we present that to music supervisors. Mm-hmm. So we help indie bands get more exposure via the relationships that we have. Actually, exposure is a bad word. We get paid licensing for our clients and I mean what I meant by exposure is just like from years of contacts in the industry we know who to send your music to ultimately um but yeah we're always kind of scouring local music scene for new acts and things so it's exciting there's quite a lot of cool stuff that goes on locally Natasha Dupre being one of the best music supervisors around who is always doing great things for Vancouver music she is she is and she won't let me interview her by the way I've tried she does not like podcasts so (laughs) 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 she won't let me do it she's like well here's here's some music supervisors you could talk to instead I'm like okay thanks (laughs) 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 whatever (laughs) so you were involved with all of the Vancouver International Film Festival music side what is it VIF AMP it's called mm-hmm. that, that they were doing. And I, I'm really, I want, I want to know more about this interview that you did with you. You interviewed Linda Perry. Is, is that right? Yeah. Like on, like on stage. That's right. <laughs> well, that's kind of the funny part. Yeah. She opened up the VIF amp uh, with her. Well, it was, it was like an interview, but it was mostly her talking, which I did totally on purpose because everyone wants to hear all of her incredible stories. Yeah. So Basically, I was on a chair interviewing and she was on a giant screen behind me from her studio in LA and we spoke about her recent works. The program VIFAMP is, it's just amazing what Tony and Rob have put together over the last few years, a great opportunity for local music producers and composers to meet more music supervisors and folks from LA and from the, the bigger scene. But I've been lucky enough to partner with them for a number of years now and we, well, I kind of select the guest and Tony does the magic, Tony, who's the head of Sony Pictures, to see who, who we can get. And I'm excited for next year. I can't tell you who, but it's been pretty amazing to, to you know, have Wendy and Lisa from Printer's Revolution and then Lin- Linda Perry. <laughs> Which is amazing. I can tell you it's maybe even going to be even more exciting next year, but I'm also like, oh, who are we going to get next? This is <laughs> it's getting pretty wild. But, yeah, Linda was just amazing and she's super enthused about composing after years of mostly being in band world even though she's written some of the world's biggest hits like pinks get this party started yeah. tracks for adele and christina aguilera and so on she's just pumped about the medium of film because it's a fairly new foray for her so it was exciting to hear a perspective even after writing one of the most chunkiest hits of all time what's up just surpassed a billion listens on youtube which you know it was only put up there like in 2010 or something so shows you the longevity of that song and how crazy hey yeah and it hits home to people like right now because just the state of the world i think it's such an anthem it really is it's one of those songs uh i was like i don't know maybe early 20s when that came out and i remember going what the fuck is this (laughs) (laughs) and it's it's a very polarizing song there are people that'll be like i hate that song so much but (laughs) you know what it's got a billion lessons so It's true. And she was calling out the patriarchy before most people even knew what it was back in the day. Yeah. Respect. Yeah. And that's, yeah. See, I listened to a lot of Hole and uh, Liz Fair in that time. So I've been doing it for years. (laughs) 
Yes. <laughs> Old school hole is epic. I used to jam that in my band when I was like 13. <sighs> We'd play Violet, that song. Dude, I'll tell you, Live Through This is one of my favorite albums of all time. It's so it's a great good. record. <laughs> it's so good. It's, it's, it's not that great for your singing voice when you're a young teenager trying to belt no. that out because, you know, the sort of regimen that Courtney was under to get that tone is not really <laughs> teen appropriate. Oh, my gosh. All right. So just kind of I'm going to uh, wrap this up in a bit here, but I, I, I want to also ask you about you have a very unique studio here, which is called uh, Capsule Stu- Sounds. I don't I, is it Capsule Sounds? It's called Capsule Studios. It's in a secret location. It's in a secret location because it moves because it's uh, hidden inside a shipping container. Amazing. So, yeah, it's a little spaceship. Could You know, maybe it could get propelled into <laughs> outer space and stay intact. I don't know. But sometimes when I'm staring out through the skylight, I think about the fact that I'm just rotating around space. And, so, yeah, that's where we capture frequencies of all of the artists. It's been pretty fun. It's been around for a couple of years. It was a bit of a slow start because we just launched it just before COVID. <laughs> Oops. But uh, it it turned out that we've had plenty of business. It's not just myself working out of there now. Marianne Cheddar produces out of there. So does Catherine Hilt, amazing bass player, recently on Teak and Sarah Records. Yeah, Thomas Holler started working out of there as well. So, yeah, it's a pretty happening little spot. It's a great listening room and a great booth, especially good for doing hip-hop, recording vocals and it's pretty fun. How did you, like, what, what's the idea behind that? How did you come up with the idea of, like, let's, why don't I build a studio in a shipping container? <laughs> well, I'm kind of into alternate spaces, like our house here on Bowen's built out of hempcrete. So it's, the, like, the most insulated possible for this environment, non-molding, eco-friendly, and, you know, hopefully it's going to withstand all of this wild climate change stuff. And kind of had the idea with just, you know, city real estate and the complexities and expense of owning something in town that it'd be great to uh yeah have something movable also i built like a number of studios not the entire building but fitted out the inside of multiple studios during my lifetime and costs a lot of money to fit out a building that you lease so kind of thought hey if we (laughs) if we do it in the container then it can just be moved rather than having to gut the building every time a city lease runs out yeah it's pretty sweet and I was very lucky that Chris Potter who designed the National Music Center actually was the one who designed that I commissioned him to do the design we researched all of the ones in the world we think it's the most uh, sophisticated one globally so far in terms of its engineering it's it's pretty rad. Oh, wow. Sounds amazing. I have yet to visit it, but uh, I'm, I'm intrigued always. You have to it. come check it out. <laughs> I will. I definitely will. <laughs> All right. Well, this seems like a good time to uh, uh, head on over to our fresh content segment. Now, every week on the show, we discuss our favorite piece of music content for the week, and we always like to start with the guest. So, Jane. What have you got for us? Well, this one's a bit of a choose your adventure to find the audio piece because this one is yet to be released on Spotify and across the world. It's premiering at the Yoko Ono exhibition as part of the water exhibit. Yoko invited uh, local Indigenous creators to contribute to the exhibition and DJ Osho's 
first single, Status and Clarity, which I was lucky enough to record at the capsule with Osho and it's co-written with Marianne Cheddar. It's a bit of a Mary Jane hi-fi track as well. It's there so you can go in and experience the track as part of the water exhibit of Yoko Ono's amazing exhibition that's at the VAG, the Vancouver Art Gallery right now. Thank you. Always love when you get to say VAG. <laughs> <laughs> I I definitely haven't been by yet. I'll have to check that one out. So my fresh content for the week is very predictable because of my love for Taylor Swift. And it's a it's kind of a twofold one. But obviously, I'm going to recommend the re-release of her new album, Red, because it's incredible. Look at that smile on your face. You want to make fun of me. But no, I have a lot of friends that are fans (laughs) of Taylor and I I fully respect that's that's good. Take the power back. Like, first of all, you just got to have respect for her for re-recording and just giving a fuck you to Scooter Braun. Yeah. I mean, just that's what I mean. Yeah. Take the power back. Like just in general. Yeah. In general, that's that's enough. I also want to recommend a a piece of writing about the album. It's from Canadian culture writer and podcaster um, Alameen Abdel-Mahmoud, and uh, he's a Swifty as well. And he wrote this incredible piece on BuzzFeed, and it's called Taylor Swift Somehow Made Red Even Better. And... He he gets the complexities of, of T-Swift and he likes to do deep dives into it like any Swifty would. And I think it just captures what it is that Taylor is really good at. And that is she is one of her generation's greatest songwriters, which I you can't take that away from her. She writes a hell of a song. So I will uh, link to both that song and the new re-release of Red in the show notes, as well as to your vag um (laughs) (laughs) all right yoko ono yoko ono yeah not to your vag but to the vancouver art gallery yoko ono show (laughs) excellent and if you want i can well i guess people can check it out but i could provide the link for people that want to join the masterclass in december too oh totally yeah yeah i'll put i can put that in the show notes too yeah, so I guess I guess that's it. Uh, thank you so much for joining me today. I really appreciate it. Is there anything else you want to plug before we we wrap up? Uh, check out all the episodes of this rad podcast we're listening to right now. Future episodes <laughs> coming to you. Always listen to the FM podcast, people. Please Boom. tell people about it. That's what I like. Well, thanks again, and uh, I hope you have a good evening. Thanks so much, Jen. Bye. It's been great. Bye-bye. Bye. Well, that was such a great conversation. I really hope you liked it. And thanks again to Jane for coming on the show. Thanks so much for listening to the FM podcast. If you like the show, please tell your friends and give us a rating and review and Apple Podcasts. The FM podcast is produced by Fritz Media with production assistance from Carla J. If you want to learn more about Fritz Media, check out our website at fritzmedia.ca and you can follow us on Facebook, we're at Fritz Media, and on Instagram and Twitter at Fritz underscore media. And if you want to learn more about the podcast, go to the fmpodcast.com. A big thank you to Said the Whale for providing the theme music for the show and you can find them at saidthewhale.com. Okay, so we're going to go out with our song of the week this week, which is from Fritz Media client Blonde Diamond. This is their brand new single that just came out last week. Here's Red Flags. All champagne at the start, soft fingertips leave my 
See you next Tuesday.